Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Mossap here for the Fightful.com podcast, September 14th edition, the first of two shows we're doing tonight, as we are also doing a post-Cruiserweight Classic show tonight at 11. This show brought to you by DraftBeast.com. Go there for the most fun that you will ever have in fantasy sports, you guys. You have their goon games where you pick the most penalized players. You also have games where you pick the worst teams possible, the most fun and daily fantasy that you can have, my friends. Also on it, go to our podcast page, Fightful.com slash podcast. Click any of those pages and see that on it link. Check out some of their great apparel, equipment, supplements, Hey, this beautiful shirt, most comfortable shirt I own, my friends. Go there. Showdown Joe is here. How are you, my friend? How are you, What's up, man? I like the new uh, background you got there. What do you got? You got a uh, picture of you and the wife. Uh, yeah, it's and you know that me and my boys, me, no, hold on, me and the boys know for a fact that, you see, you set yourself up for failure, Sean Rossap. You got a blackboard behind you with absolutely nothing. At the very least, there should be on it on there, draftbeast.com. You're breaking my heart. Completely breaking my heart. Oh, there's the whiteboard. There's the whiteboard. All right. Okay. All right. You've redeemed yourself. Also, people ask me what this sign is. So John a few Ross is trash. Yeah. So a few months ago, before I joined Fightful. Somebody had a sign on Monday Night Raw that said, Sean Ross is trash. And I got sent that thing probably about 40 times on Twitter. And as a wedding gift, one of my longtime friends made a mock poster of that for me to put in my office, and I couldn't be happier. That's boss. That's boss. That's gangster. I love it. I love it. Guys, bear with us. There is a slight delay between myself and Joe, but... Nothing, nothing that's going to bother us. Either way, we've got the fallout of UFC 203. We have uh, Fight Night Hidalgo, Fight Night Texas, whatever. Fight Night Johnson versus Poirier, whatever the hell you want to call it, we have it. We've had a few days to digest this, Joe. What is, I want to say, not your final take, but one of your lasting takes of CM Punk's decision to fight? Hey there, Sean. What were you saying? I said I, this might not be your final take, but but what is your your lasting take from CM Punk's decision to fight? Um, to be honest with you, um, I don't know if anyone read my article um, that I recently submitted to Fightful.com. It's coming. I, it's coming out tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so then I'll I'll, I'll kind of I, I won't give it away, but it's more of a sneak peek. Um, it was it. With CM Punk competing at UFC 203, it was a bit of a retrospective for yours truly, having never been able to fight pro, which was my original goal. Before I got to where I am, it was, you know, talking to you right now and, and my, you know, my somewhat, I guess, successful uh, broadcasting career and, and whatever name that I that was able to create for myself, my original goal was to fight pro. 
So I was able to look at CM Punk from a completely different perspective than a lot of people. And I kind of lived through whatever he was walking through and experiencing from, you know, signing with the UFC. Oh, how cool would that be to sign with the UFC to, you know, going through the training camp, getting injured, opponent finally announced, and eventually just going through it all. And, and just imagine what he's going through when he walks down the aisle and, you know, Bruce Buffer announces his name. And then, okay, now guess what? Referee stepped out of the way. Now it's really go time. And then to see him get dominated like that, you know, there was a part of me that just, you know, was beyond empathetic and sympathetic for him. It was just like, oh, my goodness, man, that could have been anybody. That could have been me if I ever decided to go pro. Now, I would have obviously, uh, I'm not, you know, you don't have CM Punk's name. You're not going to be into the UFC. That could have been just someone in the grassroots scene. So everyone that's ever made their mixed martial arts debut could probably understand what CM Punk went through, but not on that grand of a scale. So, you know, what I did learn is, guess what? If you're going to fight pro in mixed martial arts, you can't do it on the UFC level. No matter, no matter how much training you actually think that you could put in there, you cannot compete in the mixed martial arts. Because Mickey Gall uh, is a damn good fighter, legit brown belt. But if you look at the different layers in that welterweight division and the different levels of talent to get from Mickey Gall all the way to Teron Woodley, and dare I say George St. Pierre, there are massive layers. Just do this, okay? Pick CM Punk versus number 15. CM Punk versus number 10. CM Punk versus number 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And then you really get a sense of what happened to him and Mickey Gall. Yeah, absolutely. I see a lot of people that are trashing Mickey Gall for, for being here too because he's a 2-0 and fighter. But, I mean, if you're trashing him, I sure as hell hope you all are, are trashing. I think it's Yao Zakui, who I think is 2-3 and three career in MMA, was 1-1. One when he got signed by the UFC because of where he's from geographically, I think that's, that's much worse than somebody. Well, yeah, I guess Mickey Gall's what three and zero now. Yep. So, so yeah, I, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff. Matt Riddle got into the UFC without any fights. So did Matt Mitrione. They didn't have any fights and both of those guys panned out pretty well. Um, if, if Matt Riddle had never been cut, he would still be fighting today. Matt Mitrione is in Bellator. So, yeah, we, we've seen some pretty crazy things of that nature. I respect CM Punk for getting in there and doing it, and I think that he the, that the matchup was a poor one for him. I think that maybe – and he wasn't going to turn anybody down. There's no way he would turn anybody down. But they did not do him any favors. I think he should be matched up better. And, you know, I really, you mentioned that maybe Titan would be interested in him. The more I think about it, the more I think that's a great idea. Not just Titan, but any fight pass property. Because yes, if the UFC does a Jessamine Duke-Chris Cyborg sort of thing where they pay for that person's contract to keep them under their thumb, it prevents Bellator from signing him. It sells a hell of a lot of fight pass subscriptions. And also, it gets me inside access to CM Punk because you will be there. <laughs> now, I don't know if, quote-unquote, Titan would be interested. That would be up to Lex McMahon and Jeff Aronson 100%. But I personally would, I mean, let's just say 99%. Like, I mean, why would they not? Oh, come on. He's a McMahon. Why wouldn't he be interested in CM Punk? True. Very true. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you know the deal is how they work sometimes. Like you said, if the, if the UFC is willing to pay for him to fight there, he just needs a venue to fight someone else who is potentially 0-1 or 1-0 or 1-1. Completely and totally understand. But, you you know, the, the one thing that I really appreciated what you were saying on um, and not just you, but, you know, it was you and I doing the podcast after the event. But one thing you kept saying is the UFC did not do him a service by, by, by matching him up against Mickey Gall. How true is that? Because I remember it didn't hit me until Joe Rogan said it during the fight. Mickey Gall is a legitimate brown belt. Now, for those of you that have never been underneath a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, it sucks. Believe me, it sucks. And, you know, I, I, I got as far as blue belt, could have been close to a purple belt, and and, you know, maybe more or whatever, but I, I, that's as far as I legitimately got to, not to train, but to actually get tested. I know what it's like to be under a brown, I know what it's like to be under a brown belt who weighs 125 pounds, okay? If you've ever been underneath a guy who's 135 pounds or 145, like Vagni Fabiano, uh, who had WEC success, that sucks. Look up the name Richard Nanku, 125 pounds. If he eats at a buffet and is soaked in water with four geese on him, tiny guy, this guy gets on top of you, you're in big trouble. Mickey Gall is not 170 pounds when he fought CM Punk. He was much heavier. So he's a legit brown belt. CM Punk 
what are we going to say? What, what can he be at most with two years? Maybe a blue belt, right? To be, and, and really, then, and now really you give this, is, Mickey, this is more like a year and a half. Okay. Now you give, Sean, Mickey Gall, not just the jiu-jitsu skills, but the opportunity to punch. So now you're giving him jiu-jitsu skills with the opportunity to punch. I don't care about it. If you've never trained a day in your life, hopefully you can appreciate that that is a scary situation. Now, compound that by the fact that it's a thousand, thousands and thousands of people in the arena watching it, millions worldwide, man, that sucks for CM Punk. But he said it himself. It's a decision he made. You know, he decided to try it. You either burn in the fire or you climb that mountain. And that's what he did. So I do give him kudos. But also, all those critics that ripped him apart and you know, there's, a, there's a lot of media guys that were going back and forth with fans on social media. I understand where they're coming from as well because it was you know, relatively insulting. I was talking to a bunch of guys uh, that were uh, that at Titan, uh, you know, guys that are in the UFC, and they were, they were you know, partially disgusted with the fact that CM Punk was taking a spot away from some of their teammates. And you know it's Florida. It's Black Zillions or American top teams. So you can start thinking yeah. of who I'm talking about. But then there were others that were like, you know what? Let's see what he does. Who knows? He's probably going to get smashed by Mickey Gull, but who knows? A fight's a fight. He lands a good punch. Mickey Gull's in trouble. Mickey Gull's in trouble. So, you know, it is what it is. We saw what happened. But that, and what I was trying to get at, um, you'll see in the article, was whatever a UFC event happens, Sean, I can sort of gauge how popular the event is. Um, and it's my own little bubble and my own little forecast and my own little crystal ball by the mainstream people in my life that come to me and say, hey, what's going on with George St. Pierre? Whatever happened to that Ronda Rousey girl, did you see that wrestler, that WWE wrestler, get his ass handed to him? That's when I know a pay-per-view is going to sell. And it's been proven. I mean, you can go and look at Dave Meltzer's numbers all you want, and I can track myself which paper. Yeah, I remember talking to this guy at the gas station, Sean, or that guy at the grocery store, or that guy at at a place I'm doing consulting work for, or for this person here when I'm doing a, a mortgage contract. I'm like, oh. They know me as Showdown Joe, but they're like, hey, I'm going to tune in this Saturday. So the fact that CM Punk was there, he made a lot of money for the, of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. That's why he got that spot. Oh, yeah, there were a lot of people, Kat Zingano namely, who was really pissed off about him getting that $500,000 to show. Generally, when they get $500,000 to show and there's no win bonus attached to it, it means they get a cut of pay-per-view. And there were some people upset, and I'm like, God, if they got him for $500,000, that's a steal. Because that is about, oh, what, 25,000 pay-per-views at the UFC's rate where they take about 20 to 25 bucks. You damn well better believe he sold a lot more than 25,000 pay-per-views. A lot more. Way more. Um, As I've heard, virtually anything over maybe 300,000 could probably be attributed to him. Now, the UFC's been on a pay-per-view hot streak, so I don't know about that. But he sold a hell of a lot of pay-per-views. And he put a lot of other he helped put a lot of other people on the map because a lot of people tuned into this. People who saw Stepe Miocic knock out Alistar Overeem, and they now know who Stepe Miocic are, is, and may know Stepe Miocic when he starts playing quarterback for the Browns because damn they need it right now. <laughs> but that's terrible. What happened to RG three? He's got a shoulder injury. Yeah, his colon fell out when he was crapping or something. It probably, I, I know, I know one thing. I I picked up Josh McCown in my eighteen team league just to prevent somebody else from getting an extra quarterback. So he's trade bait now. But yeah, I think the CM Punk project was a good one. The UFC won on all fronts. They have CM Punk under contract. They can do with him what they want. They made a guy out of Mickey Gall. And they didn't, after this big UFC-WWE debate, coincidental, right? Coincidental that Conor McGregor just brings that up. For all the issues, he is the ultimate company man because he didn't just sell UFC 202. He also sold UFC 203. Because then there were a lot of people that were like, oh, yeah, well, CM Punk's going to show them. No. Imagine, imagine what would have happened. Oh, my God. I shudder to think. Now, keep in mind, My lineage of catch wrestling goes to Billy Robinson, who involved in both aspects, MMA, pro wrestling. So I'm a lover of both. But I'm also not delusional. The difference, the gap between trained and untrained is unbelievable. CM Punk trained for a year and a half at one of the best camps in the world and fought a guy who was 2-0 and was an overmatch for him. 
But imagine what would happen to all these untrained pro wrestlers that say that they can beat one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the universe in Conor McGregor. Keep in mind, keep in mind, Joe, that they were trolling Conor McGregor who fought at the same weight that CM Punk did. And they were making fun of Conor McGregor for being too small. Hot damn. And what did you and I say when all this was going down? These guys have no idea if they think they could beat Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor would absolutely annihilate anyone on that WWE roster. Maybe Brock Lesnar would give him a hard go because, I mean, you got to punch pretty hard to hurt Brock Lesnar. But other sure. than that, I mean, this, it's a different ballgame altogether, guys. They do have a guy who fought in Bellator a little while ago. Uh, Selmani. I can't remember his yeah, first yeah. name. He, he's in WWE now, and he's in NXT, and he's, he's like 22, 23. I'd say he still trains, but I'd also say Conor McGregor would kick the living shit out of him too. Now, Joe, you have been teasing some news, some news, some interesting news, and I want you to reveal it right about meow. Now, <laughs> I learned a long time ago is to be very, very careful when you tease things because then you get people thinking all these crazy things. Joe's going to be back on TV, on Canadian You're going to run the UFC. <laughs> Joe stepping in there for Joe Silva. Uh, Joe's replacing Dana White. It is not anything of that nature. I said it's a personal story for me, which is absolutely uh, – you could – I mean, it, it's a dream come true for, for a guy like me who, you know, just three shows ago was petrified. And when I say petrified, those that follow me on social media knew how scared I was to do play-by-play. I was petrified when I, when I was at I, – I fought Titan to say, no, I'm not good. I can't do it. I, I, I want to be sidelined. And they put pressure on me, Sean. You can do it. We believe in you. You're, don't, don't kid yourself. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And I was so stressed, stressed uh, at Titan – when I did my first Titan FC pay-per-view – that when it was all said and done, I had this massive weight come off my shoulder, and I thought to myself, I did it. I can do this. It's hard. It's difficult. It's world-class production when you think about it and what has to, what you got to do and you know, the kick off the show. You got to go to a commercial, come back, reset, do the play-by-play, make sure you got chemistry with your play-by-play guy. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what? I, I can do this. I can do this. And then heading into my second show, people were like, you know how many opportunities you could potentially get from this? I'm like, what the heck kind of opportunities can I possibly get? All the other shows are taken. You know, Bellator's not going to call me. UFC's not going to call me. And above all, I love Titan. I'm staying with Titan. Well, you know, there's a certain thing that can happen every so often is when you get a call um, from Japan, from, from Ryzen, and they offer you the play-by-play gig, you think about it for a second. You turn to the wife. She looks at you and says, answer yes right now. You're going to Japan. And I just came back from Miami. So We lost you for a second there, Joe. So you're, you're leaving Wednesday, correct? When do you get back? I leave Wednesday for Japan to do Ryzen. I come back on Monday. So I'm doing the full show. Uh, I'm doing play-by-play for Ryzen. Heath Herring is my color guy. So that would be absolutely insane. Nice. Imagine trying to keep Heath Herring reeled in when fights are going on. That, that's, that's another job for me altogether. But uh, looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to heading out here. I leave uh, Wednesday from Toronto. Thank goodness it's a direct flight all the way to Japan. Uh, I'll stock up on some fights that everyone's on the card. I actually got the boat order uh, on my phone here, so I'll know exactly who's competing, but we know, Sean, how things change in Japan. But lots of research between now and then. But, uh, yeah, former Pride guys are running Ryzen, and I've been blessed and lucky enough to get that call, and I'm in. Well, congratulations. I think that's awesome. Ryzen, definitely a promotion that has a lot of buzz about it. Fedor fought there. Uh, They have that Grand Prix. Boy, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the Grand Prix. That's going to be some fun stuff. And you know, our boy, Jimmy Van, is going to make you write an extra article because you're going to miss that podcast next weekend. So you know you're on the hook for that. I don't know. I think my phone's off. Something's not working on my phone. I think I might have blocked him or something. Oh. He took in a Blue Jays. He took in a Blue Jays game today. Can you believe it? What's that? He took in a Blue Jays game today. Oh, did he go? Yeah, it was a day game today. Did they win? I didn't even check. Ah, who cares? It's the Blue Jays. What? What? You watch your mouth, son. Those are my Jays. Come on, man. Don't, don't, don't even I was go a there. Fan. I was actually on a Little League Blue Jays team when they won the two championships. So I have a soft spot for the Blue Jays, actually. But 
Yeah. Either way, we have UFC Fight Night Hidalgo this weekend. So we're gonna we're gonna do a little programming note here. I looked at this card. I saw that it started at ten. I saw that there were six fights on the main card, and I realized, damn, this show's gonna end at one or one thirty in the morning. Nobody's gonna watch us talk about this show at one thirty to two thirty in the morning. So Showdown Joe and I are planning on coming back here noon Eastern Sunday to talk about UFC Fight Night Hidalgo. So uh, there's a, there's that as well. And the next week I'll figure something out for the uh, – actually, I, I may do a Sunday show after the Cyborg Landsberg show because I will be at a wedding that night. So may do a little bit of a delay there as well. But this show, Joe, it's – not the most glamorous of shows, this Hidalgo show, but there are some interesting names on it. Hey, listen, I know we're talking about UC Fight Night, Poirier versus Johnson, Hidalgo. Blue Jays lost eight to one, Sean. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Damn, podcast damn, rock, embarrassing bottom. Oh my God, how did they lose to Tampa Bay eight to one when they're in a pennant race? What is going on with my team? You should just become uh, a Reds oh, yeah, fan. I, I'm going to pretend you never said that. Um, back to this UFC card, Mr. Sean Rossap. I like this card. I really like this card. Uh, there's some really good fights there. Um, you know, there are some names, let's be honest, that people haven't heard about. And it's my only knock on the UFC nowadays. It's just strictly, you know, that, you know we always, you know, Anyone that's been around the UFC for a long time is always considered the UFC the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. Well, it's not just the Super Bowl of mixed martial arts. It's also the A-League, B-League, and C-League sometimes. When you look at some of the names on some of these cards, uh, especially, um, I shouldn't say just the fight pass prelims because we've seen some crazy names on there recently. But, you know, it's, you look at a card like this, and again, I guess it goes back to that Fox deal when they signed it, that they got to have so many cards, they got to have so many fighters. But I just, I just you know... We should go back to the days where the, where the cards are absolutely stacked. But you look at some of the names on here, especially that main event, Poirier versus Johnson. you got Uriah Hall taking on Brunson. There are some good fights here. But, you know, you know what I'm saying, Sean. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay, well, looking forward to it. Inconsequential, I would say, a lot of these fights are. Uh, not, not a whole lot to talk about in the prelim, on the prelim show. Alejandro Perez, I'm looking forward to his fight with Albert Morales. Uh, Perez outside of getting caught in that guillotine by Patrick Williams, which you got to think maybe wouldn't happen if they fought again, a 23-second guillotine. He's 3-1 and one in the UFC. Had that win over Jorgensen, even though Jorgensen got hurt. Uh, but still looked good, uh, has looked good throughout his UFC career. Won the tough Latin America tournament. Excited to see him. Also, Shoeface may be fighting for his job on this show, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you can make that argument. I mean, the one the one fight, obviously, uh, you know, pardon my, uh, I guess, my bias for Titan FC is Bilal Muhammad's taking on Augusto Montano, and that's going to be a good fight. That's a good 170-pound fight. I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, Bilal is not, you know, overly, I guess, happy with his initial octagon debut, but now he's got a good fighter in Augusto Montano, and that's going to be a crazy scrap. Uh, sorry, Bilal, if you're watching this, I think this one goes 15 minutes because Bilal can go hard for 25 very experienced, minutes. Very experienced. Very experienced is Montano. Yeah, but Bilal can go hard for 25 minutes, so it's another 15-minute fight for him, uh, and so can Augusto. So these two guys are going to lock horns. It's going to be like two ramps. I mean, I'm, I'm actually gonna, I'm really looking forward to this fight. Also, you have... A guy who seems like he's been around forever, but he's only been around for about four years, Sam Cecilia. He's, you know, he's really inconsistent, to say the least, in the cage. He can't get over that hump. And like above the maybe the top 20, 25, he, he always struggles whenever he's given somebody that poses, in my opinion, a real threat to him. Like he, he just he can't get over that hump. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how his fight goes with Gabriel Benitez. Main card, very excited about, about some of the fights on this. You have Chas Skelly. Am I, I know uh, Chase Skelly. Am I pronouncing that right? You're the master of pronouncing names. I'd still call him Chas Skelly until I actually had the chance to sit down with him and do an interview and, and get some pre-prep on him. But, yeah, we can call him Chas, Ch- Chase, or just Skelly. Either way, we can call him the guy who's won four of his last five. Uh, dropped a fight to Darren Elkins. 
recently. Nothing wrong with that. Darren Elkins is a gamer. He's fighting uh, Maximo Blanco. Blanco, a guy who just had his own hot streak ended. So which one of these guys do you think is getting back on track? Um, Blanco's been around for a long time. Like we're talking 2008. I mean, I mean, his day since like pancreas and, 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 and like WVR, like that's been, he's been around forever. And I remember when he first came to the UFC, I had uh, a, a good buddy of mine saying, Oh, Maximo's finally made it. He's doing this. And I'm like, yeah, he was in strike force. He lost to Healy and Healy. I mean, that was a good scrap, but it was a rear naked choke by Healy in the second round. If you remember, um, you know, but Maximo made it. Everything was cool. Everything is good. It's just that he's been around for such a long time. He's not that old. He's 32, and technically he's only had 21 fights, but he has been around for a long time. I just think the, the actual wear and tear of, of competing for so long. I mean, Skelly is only, what, 31 years old, and you know, he's had 17 fights, and he lost to Darren Elkins, who's no joke, and that was a decision. Okay, Darren Elkins is absolutely a, a monster when he wants to be. So if anyone's going to win this fight, I'm gonna, or so if anyone has an edge in this fight, I'm going to go with Skelly. Blanco was very close. To, he was on the chopping block as well and then turned his career around. Like he had lost four or five, came back, won three in a row. So you know he doesn't want to put himself in that position again. you got to believe that. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Chris Wade up next against, we got a rear. We've had a busy week. Either way, uh, glad glad to see Chris Wade back in there. Uh, yeah, he dropped that fight to to Kabilov after winning four in a row coming into the UFC. I had high hopes for Chris Wade after he he looked the way that he did. Uh, I remember Carrizoza. He uh, put him out completely, put him out, and against Baghdad, he had that that great finish in the first round. How do you think this one goes? Uh, I don't know, man. Chris Wade's good, but Makachev is a bad dude. He's only 24 years old, man. I mean, he's 12 oh, and yeah. one. He's he's lost to uh, you know Adriano Martins, who I really thought he was going to beat. Uh, and that thing ended pretty quick with a K punch. I don't think I saw that one coming. Um, I I don't know what to say with that. Uh, I thought for sure uh, Makachev was going to win that fight. Um, it's I mean. Who's the better takedown artist? You can make the argument that it's Skelly, but really it's not. It could be either way. Um, Skelly's got some big time experience. He's been in the UFC longer. Uh, I'll just give the, just a tad more. Give that experience to Skelly in this fight here. Also, I see we're having some camera issues. It doesn't automatically go back and forth between the two of us. Go figure. Go figure. Kenny Robertson, who... Performed one of my favorite submissions of all time, that Sulev stretch. Oh, my God. That submission was, in my opinion, top five in UFC history. Basically, for those of you who don't know what a Sulev stretch is, it's a, it's a rear naked knee bar, which is unbelievable. Um, I think he's going to finish Carnero with a double rear naked knee bar. That's what he's going to do, Joe. He's going to go one step above 
Actually, he's probably not. Probably How not. Dare because, you uh, talk about Jukau in that manner? Owen Canero is my boy. Him and the Lima brothers are my boys. <laughs> they treat me like absolute gold. And this is me playing favoritism. I'm going with Hohen Canero in this fight. Well, I'll say this. If Kenny Robertson wins via Sulev stretch against <laughs> against Carnero, oh my God. I will uh, rub my eyeballs across a blade of grass live on the air. Sharp end. <laughs> Sharp end. Because it ain't happening. Uh, Carnero, 38 years old. He is a veteran. He's been around. You want to talk about somebody who's been around for a while, Joe. He's been around since 2000. Back in the days of, how about this one? Deep. Joe, do we have you? Joe, we lost you. Hot damn, we lost Joe. He's probably talking on the other end, but what's it matter? Either way, uh, I'll inform him of this this technical error. Moving on to the card, Evan Dunham, Rick Glenn. Evan Dunham is a guy who was once called by Dana White, and I quote, unbeatable. Boy, was he wrong. Uh, Melvin Gillard really exposed him, got the job done. And, and now I think we have Showdown Joe back. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, guys. I don't know what happened. If that was from my end, but it just went—it just completely froze on me. Uh, so it's I apologize. Canadian internet. <laughs> uh, I guess you could say that. But uh, you're, the last thing I heard from you is that Jukau has been around for a long time. Uh, he's 38, but I can tell you this: uh, the fact that he went through that battlegrounds tournament the way that he did—he was absolutely fantastic. And I've never—I've gained so much respect for him in terms of the way he competed. Uh, and then eventually, I, I, I told everyone, whoever wins that Battlegrounds tournament is going to get to the UFC. And that's what got him back into the UFC. I remember that, that main event fight uh, with Brock Larson. That was a spectacular scrap. The fact that he went through that, he almost didn't make it out of the first round, Sean. He was so fatigued that that's what I was doing sideline reporting. I remember Douglas Lima running to me, and he's like, brother, brother. He goes, do you have any honey? Where can I get honey? What the hell do you want honey for? Honey? It was just a, yeah, just to give him that little boost of sugar because, I mean, it, it felt like Carnero was so down and, and so just dejected from that first fight. Despite him winning, he probably felt that I can't compete anymore. And, and yet you had Diego in the, in, in the um, dressing room keeping his spirits up while Douglas is running around the arena and, and just trying to find something to get, give him some sugar. And they found literally a package of honey, right? Wow. They cleared it with the commission, got a spoon, ate that honey. Goes on to win two more fights that night. Gets to the UFC. Does what he has to do. And now he's taking on Kenny Robertson. Robertson's going to put pressure on him. We already know that. But Jacal's seen it a thousand times. But, you know, again, I'll play favoritism here. I'm going to go with uh, Owen Carnero to win this fight. And Carnero should have gotten back in the UFC off of that. Because that's uh, not easy to do. As I was mentioning before you came back, Evan Dunham is a guy who Dana White once called, and I quote, unbeatable. unbeatable. That, that, that was not the case as we found out immediately after from Melvin Gillard, who was, and really, that was Melvin Gillard fulfilling every bit of his potential that he's ever had in that fight. Evan Dunham has, and, and that, that fight, really, because he arguably Dunham beat Sean Shirk. But after the Gillard fight, Dunham was never really the same for several years. He, he would win occasionally, but, you know, he would face these top-level talents like TJ Grant, like Dos Anjos, like Barboza, like Cerrone, and he would always come up short. Now, he's still not beaten one of those top-level talents, but he has gone on a bit of a career resurgence since 2015. He's won three in a row. He is facing former World Series of Fighting champion Rick Glenn. This was a, a not a last-minute fight, but a late replacement fight. You think there's any chance Glenn gets it? Well, I mean, there, of course, there's a chance Glenn gets it done here, but but do you see that in your crystal ball? Of course, yeah, yeah. Rick, Rick Glenn could definitely win this fight, uh, but I'm going to go with Evan Dunham, who's probably put in that full training camp, uh, knows what it's like to be under those UFC lights and the pressure of competing uh, under the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I think Evan pulls this off. I know he's listed at five ten. Um, you're you're what, Sean? Six one? I'm six feet tall. If you're we're talking pro tall. wrestling height. 
if we're talking pro wrestling height, I'm a good six seven. <laughs> Touche. Um, I remember um, when I first really got to see Evan Dunham, uh, uh, Extreme Couture in Vegas. Frank Trigg and I were shooting about twenty to twenty-five fight school segments for my TV show. Uh, in walks in Evan Dunham, and he's just kind of behind our camera guy and just staring into the cage. He's got his fingers through the, the fence, kind of looking through, and you know, kind of waves at Frank. And Frank's like, "I'll introduce you." And I remember stepping out of the cage and introducing and i just kind of did one of these things holy smokes you're wow you're you're actually a big dude then i see him listed at 510 i'm like no way he's 510 this guy's much bigger he's a big 155 pounder so um there's been times when you could think that this guy's just dominated guys strictly on his size no not the case but uh being a big dude at 155 pounds it's pretty damn good and remember this guy has this guy has some victories over some good people and losses against some even better people. I mean, the, guy, the guy's beaten Gleason Tabal, right? Like, Nick Lentz, he's, take, he's beaten up. You know, Rodrigo Dam is one thing. Ross Pearson. Ross Pearson no longer competes in the division. Joe Lozon, who's not the easiest guy to, to defeat uh, by any stretch of the imagination. My only concern with Evan, though, is he hasn't competed since December. Okay, so he's heading into this fight over nine months uh, being outside of competition. Ring rust, ah, you're borderline ring rust there. Uh, but I will give him the edge in this fight. Because uh, he, he'll find a way to you know, suck it up in one. He's not going to just sit there uh, and realize, all oh, my career's over and I'm going to quit. He'll figure it out. But remember, like you said, he'll, he's going to extend this win streak to four wins. We have a very interesting co-main event. Uriah Hall versus Derek Brunson. Brunson has voiced his concern that Hall is on PEDs. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I can't think of a fighter outside of maybe the aforementioned Melvin Gillard who has been one that just – has all the tools but hasn't put it together like Uriah Hall. And when I say hasn't put it together, I mean in every single fight that he has lost, it looks like he is just – if he just pulls the trigger, he's going to win the fight. Every single fight because you know that he has that ability. You know that any strike that he lands could be that final strike. It could be it. By all means, he was a couple of offensive outbursts away from being 8-0 and going into the Rob Whitaker fight because he, he lost to Natal, Howard, Gastelum, all by split decision. If he had a couple of out, offensive outbursts, we're talking about a guy who would have been 8-0 and in the UFC since that amazing knockout on the Ultimate Fighter. In every single fight, Joe, you see him hesitant. You see him – it's just so weird, and it, it's – I've never seen a fighter like this. You know, actually, I take that back. Mirko Krokop throughout his UFC career was often like this, where he's really gun shy. Why do you think this is happening to Uri- Uriah Hall all the time? The only, I mean, there's a few things that I could probably think of, uh, none of which potentially could be correct, but, you know, it's in between the ears. It's all in between the ears. Uh, I think you nailed it on the head, Sean, when you said gun shy. Because uh, here's a guy that once he decides to to let go, people go to sleep, people get hurt, fans go crazy. Um, you know, he he could win a round just by throwing a, a three or four punch combination, ending it with a kick with his speed, his range, and his devastation. That'll probably tell a judge, yeah, you know what, that opponent better do a lot more now to win back this round. I mean, if, if when Uriah Hall decides to launch an attack, he hurts people, and and his opponents know this. But his opponents also probably believe that, you know what, maybe this guy's mentally weak. Maybe this guy, we can get into his head. Maybe if we put the pressure on him early, don't give him space, take away that space, um, Gilgar Musasi aside, uh, and, and you really punish him, you can win this fight. Maybe not by knocking him out, because you may not be able to outstrike him, but you might be able to win a decision, just steal each round. You've got three rounds to do it in. But in my opinion, like you said, Uriah Hall is, for some reason, at times, can be gun-shy. Uh, and I've had serious conversations with him in, I'm going to go, I'm trying to think, maybe it was Dallas. I'm trying to remember where it was. He was a guest fighter at the UC because UC used to bring in guest fighters during every pay-per-view to promote their upcoming fights. And he was one of them. Uh, we had an amazing interview, Sean. And then we actually just chilled out afterwards because he was my last interview for that, for that morning. And we just chilled out for an hour. We just talked literally the mental game. And he talked about being on the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and they only showed a bit of it with him and Chael Sonnen talking about the mental game. And we talked at length about it. 
and the importance. I gave him some tips of, of, of certain guys that, you know, that I would listen to when it comes to the mental game. It has something to do with not, – not, um, I gave him uh, George St. Pierre, Brian Kane's uh, information. George St. Pierre, the guy that helped him get over the Matt Serra fight, uh, the first Matt Serra fight. Um, so I, I always thought that with Uriah Hall, it's probably just mental. And once he decides to get that killer instinct going, the dude could probably be, be pretty much unbeatable at 185 pounds. Boy, that Anderson Silva fight could have been fireworks or could have been three rounds of them shadow boxing. It could have been really – but he's got he's to pull the trigger on Derek Brunson because Derek Brunson isn't going to hesitate. Derek Brunson – Won six of his last seven. The only person he's lost to during that streak is Joel Romero. Before that, he lost to Jacare Souza. This this would be and and despite Brunson's streak, Uriah Hall's a bigger name. Even though Uriah Hall hasn't been as consistent, D- Derek Brunson's looking to to help build his brand off of Uriah Hall. Now Brunson has a, a an impressive win. Knowing what we know now about Lorenz Larkin, looking pretty good. But he, the thing with Larkin is it seems like – or not Larkin, Brunson. It seems like he – he actually is. It seems like he only fights like once a year. But he actually – he fights about twice a year. But he's not going to give Uriah Hall any space. I would like to think that Derek Brunson is the type of guy that, that is going to follow that blueprint. I would like to think that he is that type. Now, the question I have for you, Joe – he brought up the suspicion that he thinks maybe Uriah Hall's on PEDs. What do you have to say about that? Um, I, I don't think Uriah's on any PEDs. To be honest with you, um, you know there are certain people that have the genetics. They've got their, they've just got that physique that you know is just muscular, looks great. Uh, unless Brunson has something or has some someone on the inside that we don't know about. Um, and again, could be Brunson playing mind games. You know, maybe sure. get um, Uriah too riled up uh, and then take advantage of that. But I, I, I can't see um, – I'm just trying to think, like, you know, who's been caught with PEDs in the past and be like, ah, you know what, that makes sense. I can't see Uriah Hall uh, being that type of guy. He's just – to me, he just seems like a genuine dude, doesn't want to be bothered by anybody, doesn't, doesn't want to cause trouble, just wants to go in there and spar and train and do his thing uh, and doesn't seem like that guy that's jacked up on anything. So – uh, I, I'm not sure I'm buying what Derek Brunson is selling. He could be right. He could be right, Sean. But I'm just me personally. I don't see it. Before we get into the main event, guys, if you have never been to Fightful.com, please do so. We have tons of exclusives from the world of mixed martial arts, pro wrestling, and boxing. We have great forums for our registered users. Go there, register for free. We have exclusive WWE uh, financial analysis that you will only get at Fightful.com. We cover it in a more professional manner and that in which you guys might be used to, so go check that out. But, uh, yeah, Fightful.com, guys. We have live viewing parties, more viewing parties than any website on the internet. Pro wrestling, MMA, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm sure we'll have rising coverage when Showdown Joe was over there. So lots of cool stuff. And... Uh, make sure to tune into our Thursday afternoon podcast with Matt Riddle, former UFC star, current Evolve PWG star. Our Friday afternoon show with Vince Russo. And tonight, if you're watching live, I will be back with Alex Palowski to talk uh, Cruiserweight Classic. But this main event, we have a Conor McGregor victim versus a Nate Diaz victim. Joe. But I'll say this. Dustin Poirier is looking like he is not going to be anybody's victim for quite some time because he is slaughtering people at 155. Uh, you never mind that. He was slaughtering people at 145, except for Korean Zombie, Cub Swanson, Conor McGregor. He's 12-3 and three in the UFC. He's really, really good. But 155 pounds, that has paid off in spades for this guy, Joe. Uh, not to take anything away from the Korean zombie, because uh, you know who doesn't like the Korean zombie? The guy pulled up a twister in the op- in the, was it the octagon. Yeah, Can't wait for it- him to come back. Yeah, uh, his military is almost done. By the way, it's, it's getting really close. Yes, but I know for a fact that Dustin Poirier, uh, in my opinion, should not have taken that fight. He should have backed out of that fight. End of story. Whatever happened, happened there. Uh, but Dustin Poirier coming into this fight here uh, versus Michael Johnson, Dustin Poirier is just. That guy there is a bad dude, man. He's a bad dude. I mean, that Conor McGregor fight, 
Uh, he, um, I don't know, I don't know if he's ever admitted it, but I think he went in there way too emotional uh, in that fight. There, he should have just took care of business when he had the opportunity. But maybe it was a blessing in disguise. He got to fight at 155 pounds, and he's doing fantastic in this division along with welterweight, which really are the two killer divisions when it comes to, to males in North America or just generally around the world are the two divisions that are, are the most populated simply because this is where most males on average would fall into when you cut the weight. So to be great at this division at 155 and at 170 for those other guys is pretty impressive. That's a Poirier. Um, the only other problem I had with this fight, though, Sean, and, and again, uh, part of my greed, this is a Titan FC fight. Why? Black Zillions versus American top team. Florida, yeah. baby. This is a Florida fight. This is the type of fight that I love calling working for Titan FC because when I go up and down their roster, I'm like, Black Zillion versus American top team? Yes! This fight's going to be crazy. So this is American top team and Dustin Poirier taking on a very proud Black Zillion member and Michael Johnson. And obviously, uh, I've known Dustin for a long time. I've known Michael for a very long time. And my color commentator, uh, Kamara Usman, another UFC welterweight, is very close with Michael Johnson. Just go on Kamara's page on his Instagram, and you can see Johnson and him beating the living crap out of each other. We talked about it in the last podcast, how these two dummies can't hear. The bell goes off, and they keep smashing each other's faces, having other members of the Black Zillions stepping in there and be like, hey, stupid, would you guys spread apart? So Johnson, Kamara, guys at Black Zillions, when they're in the zone, Sean, you can't separate them, and that's how they fight. So now you got Johnson taking on Poirier in a main event with a lot of implications. Does Michael Johnson really want to go uh, on a three-fight losing streak? Right? Like, I don't think so. So you know he's going to come that's into this fight. Thing. It's really weird matchmaking to me. You have a guy coming off of four straight wins in Dustin Poirier who looks – who, you know, by all means, if somebody fell out of a lightweight title fight and you put Dustin Poirier in there, people would go, okay, cool. Absolutely. Uh, he could absolutely knock out Eddie Alvarez any given night. He could. And then you got Michael Johnson, who has lost two fights in a row, is not on the come up at all. He is 30 years old. So, I mean, I would more than expect his career to start tailoring downhill from, from this point. Yeah. I think that this is rough matchmaking. You do have the ATT Black Zillions thing. So th- there's that. But. To me, it's also a very dangerous one because Michael Johnson has proven before that he really doesn't care about anybody's hype train, Joe. No, right? I mean, this is a guy that's beaten Edson Barbosa. I mean, I remember when this fight was going on, people were like, oh, Michael Johnson's in big, big trouble. Well, guess what? He took on Edson Barbosa uh, in a unanimous decision. Uh, even the Melvin Gillard fight, people thought he was gonna knock, Gillard was going to knock his head off. Well, guess what? Another three-round United decision victory. Uh, when he beat Gleason, or Gleason, excuse me, I, I mean, I call him Gleason. 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 You, you Americans call him whatever you want. I call him Tabao, whatever. Uh, when that fight went down, that was the I like that match. I thought it was a matchup until Michael decided, no, I'll smash this guy and knock him out through the fight, or, or, or at least into the second round. Um, then he takes on, you know, we all thought, hey, you know what? Dariush is coming up, but it's just it's 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 not going to happen. Decision, okay? That was a very close fight, and then of we're, course we're losing they, you a little yes. bit, Joe. What's that? We're losing your audio a little bit, Joe. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a big main event. I'll wait until uh, your picture regains steam, things of that nature. This is a this is a an important fight in the lightweight division. I think more so Poirier has to bring because I don't think that a Michael Johnson win really launches him until he proves he can beat those guys. It's still still no, Joe. We're, we're good. We're good. We've covered the show. It's okay. Either way, guys, uh, we will have live coverage of this show, by the way, as we do every show, whether it's Titan, whether it's uh, Pancrase, whether it's WWE, NXT, Cruiserweight Classic, here in moments, things of that nature. But, guys – Definitely tune into our podcast later tonight, Cruiserweight Classic. Also tomorrow, Matt Riddle. Friday, Vince Russo. Then this weekend, myself and Showdown Joe are back. Uh, and then, of course, Monday with Alex Palowski. He's going to take over with me on Mondays. Tons of stuff. And, of course, I'm sure we're going to do a live viewing party for Ryzen. 
as our boy Showdown Joe will be there. But visit Fightful.com, guys. Share it on Facebook and Facebook groups, Reddit, Twitter, any of that stuff. Like I said, just sign up for our RSS feed and apply it to your Twitter. Just have all our stories post there. That's what I want you to do. Annoy all your friends with our stories. Joe, we've talked about this card. We've had our fair share of technical errors. I blame Canada. I think it's the right thing to do as South Park does return tonight with their 20th season. I think it's only fair to blame Canadians. Now, I'll ask you to say a few words, but I know that your flappy head comes apart just like just like Terrence and Phillips. So see, see if you can keep your jaw connected while, while you tell these people a little something before we go. Well, hey, listen, it's, it's, being Canadian is just part of the gig whenever you're dealing with any American out there. And I get the absolute verbal beatdowns uh, from the crew at Titan because I'm the only Canadian there. So I got, I've heard the Canadian jokes for years from Dana White all the way down to anybody and everybody. All the Canadian jokes, they don't bother me. I got thick skin, rolls off my shoulders. Uh, I, I don't know if the moose outside are, are running and, and trying to get this internet going here, but it is what it is. I mean, I, maybe I got to hook up some hockey sticks or, or some fishing line. Maybe get some beavers to slap their tails. Uh, maybe I should be drinking maple syrup and not my coffee. Could be anything. Could be anything. Uh, it is what it is. I'm, I'm wondering if there's bad weather out there. I doubt it, but it's never affected it before. But um, I need to know a couple things. Number one, uh, did you make a prediction while there was an audio and video issue uh, on Dustin Poirier and Michael Johnson? I am going to give the edge to Dustin Poirier. Yes, I am as well. Dustin Poirier, I think he's uh, taking home that victory without a doubt. Also, uh, what, what else was on the card? Because I don't know if we made predictions. Jirai Hall, Brunson, I think Hall will pull the trigger. I think he'll win. Um, I think Evan Dunham will win. I think uh, Kenny Robertson will beat your boy, Carnero. So who did you have in the Hall-Brunson fight? Um... I guess dice. We need dice with with or, or coins to flip some sort of fight because this is the type of fight that we don't know what Uriah Hall is going to do. We don't know what goes through his head. You always think Uriah Hall is going to win, and the next thing you know, he does what he, he has a mental lapse and he loses. So, um, for that very sake, there because of his unpredictability and Brunson's somewhat predictability, I'll go with Derek Brunson. Guys, as I mentioned. We have stuff every single day, all day at Fightful.com. Be there. It's the place to be. Register absolutely for free. We're rolling out new forums soon, a new podcast page. It will have our schedule listed, things of that nature. Until next time, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.